0: Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome in. Welcome current listeners, new listeners. This is episode 21 of WFS, The Will Ford Show. Long time no talk. Uh, It's been 13 days since I've last done an episode. So, yeah, I'm way behind, obviously. But, hey, the bright side is school's over with. For me, I am done with high school. I graduate this Friday. So, I'm done, and I'm going to have a lot more time on my hands to be able to put together uh, shows more consistently for you. Uh, the noise you hear in the background right now, it is storming here in Ohio, in southeast Ohio. It is pouring down rain outside, so I apologize for the the rain off the windows. That's that's what you hear. Uh but yeah, it's been a long time since we've since we've had a chat. Um, let's jump right into episode 21. So a little bit of in case you missed it, uh, I talked about on the last episode, Jason Witten. Uh, he was talking about retirement, but he hadn't made anything official. Well, it is official as of the last. I think it was last week. He officially retired, and he's going to join Monday Night Football as the lead analyst. So obviously, Jason Witten is a first-ballot Hall of Famer. I don't think anyone's going to disagree with that. He does leave a huge void for Dallas at tight end, just really in their in their offense because Jason Witten has been the security blanket for Dak and for the franchise for the past fifteen years. So that's going to really that's going to have to. It's going to have to force people to step up. It's going to create opportunities for guys like Rico Gathers, who last year had a terrible concussion and was on the IR. Uh, Dalton Schultz, who they just drafted out of Stanford. Uh, And and some other tight ends that they may have. So one one of those guys has got to step up. Rico Gathers is more of a receiving tight end, so he's going to help out in the passing game for Dak. Dalton Schultz who they drafted, is more of a blocking tight end. So maybe if they run a two-tight end set, maybe that's what they do right there. Uh, But I think something that's even bigger than this, I want to point something out, is that Jason Witten joining Monday Night Football, I think that proves that the Cowboys are the most interesting franchise in sports. And let me explain. Three former Cowboys are the lead analysts on three separate networks. Troy Aikman on Fox, Tony Romo on CBS, and now Jason Witten on ESPN. The only, ca- the only network the Cowboys don't have covered is NBC. But no one's replacing Chris Collinsworth or Al-, Al Michaels. They're, they're incredible. You're not going to replace any of those guys. The Dallas Cowboys are worth $4 billion. That is the most among all sports franchises in any sport. And they're worth $800 million more than the next NFL team on that list. Like, There's only one NFL team in the top five in terms of worth, and the Cowboys are number one. Number six is the New England Patriots at $3.2 billion. If Tom Brady retired tomorrow, I guarantee you he does not get a single call to be an analyst on any network. But if, I don't know, say like Travis Frederick or another well-known cowboy retired, if they retired right now, I bet you they would be getting a call from a ne- from a network To work for them in some way, shape, or form. They wouldn't be an analyst, obviously, because those jobs are filled, but they would work for them in some way, shape, or form. It just shows how profound and how important the Dallas Cowboys franchise is to sports. They are the most interesting franchise in sports. Uh, They're America's team. People love to see them succeed, and people love to see them fail. There's no two ways about it. They are the most interesting franchise in sports. All right, so I want to move on, stay in the NFL realm. Uh, I want to tell you when round one, the quarterbacks drafted in the first round of this draft, when they will take over. When I think they will take over, and when I think they should take over. Baker Mayfield, I think, is going to be the week one starter. I don't think he should be the week one starter, though. I think he should sit a year. Tyrod Taylor can show Baker Mayfield how to play quarterback. Tyrod Taylor is actually a really solid quarterback. He does not know what a turnover is. Neither does Baker Mayfield. But... I would rather have Baker sit behind Tyrod for a year and see how he does things, how he takes care of the ball, and I would just let Baker sit behind that for a year. Baker Mayfield can start week one. I wouldn't be opposed to him starting week one, but I would rather him, for his development, just sit behind Tyrod Taylor for a year and just see how you run a franchise, how you run an offense. And Tyrod Taylor, I think, is really a really good quarterback. He's a very, very solid quarterback. So I would sit Baker Mayfield for a year, but I would not be surprised if he's the week one starter. I think he will be the week one starter. And I really wouldn't be opposed to it. That's just my personal preference. Sam Darnold. I think Sam Darnold will set out a year. Josh McCown is supposed to be the week one starter. They also have Teddy Bridgewater on the roster, and I think they want to see what he can do. So I think they're going to go back and forth between Teddy and McCown throughout the season. So that's not going to create an opportunity for Darnold. But I do think Darnold should be the week one starter. I think Darnold is better than both of those quarterbacks, although I think Teddy Bridgewater does deserve a shot to... Compete for a job, because I still think he can be a franchise quarterback for a team. McCown and Bridgewater are going to go back and forth this season. They're going to see what Bridgewater's got with that injury. And then next year, it'll be Sam Darnold's team. I think it'll be Sam Darnold's team next year, unless Teddy Bridgewater really shows you something. And then that means you can trade Sam Darnold, and you will get a ton for Sam Darnold. Or you could trade Bridgewater, whoever you want to trade. Because they only, actually, they, they only signed Bridgewater for one year. So, really, it's just a, it's a trial just to see what he can do. So they're going to, they're going to play Bridgewater this year. Darnold will not get a chance to play, although he looks very, very good. And I think he is better than both of those quarterbacks right now. All right, Josh Allen, he needs to sit out a year, maybe even two years. I think he is extremely raw. He's got a cannon for an arm, but his inaccuracy is a problem. And, like, Brett Favre was really inaccurate coming out of college. He had actually a worse completion percentage than than Josh Allen. But, so, I mean, it, it is possible for Allen to be something outstanding. I think he's got the, the, most, the highest ceiling, but also the lowest floor. Uh, I think he needs to set out for a year, though, just for his development. But he's not going to get that opportunity to sit out and develop because they don't have anyone else. A.J. McCarron is not good. I would be surprised if they started McCarron over Josh Allen. I would rather let the young buck go loose and just see what he can do than have a below average backup quarterback starting for my franchise. I'd rather let the bull go, let him run wild and just see where it goes because I think Josh Allen actually has superstar potential. He's going to be either a be a big boom or it could be a big bust because of that in- inaccuracy. But his size, athleticism, And arm talent that gives him the tools to be able to be a superstar. If he can just develop some accuracy, get some accuracy down, I think he can be a superstar. He could even be better, he could be the best quarterback out of this class. So I think he definitely needs to set out for a year. I don't think he's going to get that opportunity. He will be the week one starter. Josh Rosen. I think with Sam Bradford on the roster, Josh Rosen is going to be the starter come midseason because we all know sam- or Sam Bradford cannot hold up for a whole season. He held up for one game last year, so i I really don't think he's going to I don't think Rosen's going to be sitting out very long. I think Rosen definitely should be the week one starter and just have Sam Donald as your backup. You can have him learn behind Bradford in practice. Let Rosen go now. I think Rosen, he has a lot of ability and a lot of potential. He's got got—he's got some knee issues. He's got some durability issues. He's almost like Sam Bradford in a way. When I did my ceilings and floors comparing them to quarterbacks, my ceiling for Rosen was Aaron Rodgers, and that's a heck of a ceiling. His floor also was San Bradford. So they could be the same player. If they're the same player, you might as well just give Rosen the green light. You have to give him the green light. He's much younger. I think he can provide a spark to that team. He, He has this arrogance about him that I don't like in some ways, but I like in other ways. You need to have some arrogance and some confidence as a quarterback, but he he's almost too too much. What he said after the draft, nine mistakes taken ahead of me. You can't say things like that. You can't. And those, those players taken ahead, six of them, six of those teams didn't need a quarterback. They didn't need one. They took a position of need. Three teams took quarterbacks. If you want to say, like, oh, those teams, I'm going to make them Wish they would have picked me. That's fine, but you can't call those players mistakes. They worked just as hard as he did to get to where they were, and you can't call them mistakes. You're just, you just, what you have to say is, I'm going to make them wish they would have picked me instead of those guys, even though those guys are great players. He did apologize for what he said, but I think he was told to apologize. He was told to apologize for what he said. By his agent or maybe his parents or somebody. It's just the problem with Rosen is he's a little bit of a he's a spoiled rich kid is what he is. And he'll learn real quick that, you know, in the NFL, players don't stand for that. But I think he he should be the week one starter. I think he's more than talented enough to be the week one starter. He is right now more durable than Sam Bradford. I don't trust Sam Bradford. Although Sam Bradford, Sam Bradford is a really good quarterback when he's healthy. But the key word there is when. It's when. When is he healthy? So I would give the nod to Rosen week one, but he will take over mid-season when Sam Bradford goes down. And then Lamar Jackson. Uh, this one's a tough one because, you know, the Joe Flacco era, I think, is over in Baltimore. Ever since he won that Super Bowl, ever since that Super Bowl victory over the 49ers, he has been horrible. He, he was, he is very overrated. And his his contract is just it's in, it's super super high. I I would not pay him anywhere near close to that that amount of money. Lamar Jackson I think is gonna end up taking over midseason because John Harbaugh is actually he's actually already creating plays and schemes for Lamar Jackson in the offense, and they would you're not gonna draft. Lamar Jackson is a receiver. He can't catch. He is a quarterback. You're not going to just be throwing him in there as a decoy, as a receiver or anything. Now, they might do some like end-around plays or something just to get him the ball in space, but very. I don't think they're going to want to do a two-quarterback system where you have both of them on the field at the same time. I think Lamar Jackson... I think the Lamar Jackson era needs to begin week one. It should begin week one, just Joe Flacco just doesn't have it anymore. They have more weapons, so maybe if Joe Flacco does start, maybe that'll help him out. But Joe Flacco is overrated, and I think he needs to take a seat and let Lamar Jackson run the show. I think he should be week one, the week one starter, but I think Jackson will probably take over midseason when they realize that Flacco is done. Uh, and there you have it. Those are the round one quarterbacks. When I think they, sh- they will take over and when they should take over. All right. Matt Ryan signed a fat check the other day. Uh, Well, I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. The Falcons signed a fat check to keep Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan signed a five-year, $150 million contract extension. He is now the first quarterback to make $30 million. And he's now the highest-paid quarterback in football. He is one of the few quarterbacks I would pay $30 million in this league. He's one of the few. And so what I'm going to do is a Ford food chain. We're going to bring it back, and it's going to be the top 10 quarterbacks I would pay the fat check of $30 million for. Number 10, Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, a lot of you may be surprised by this but because c- he's only had seven career starts, but he has 7-0 in those starts when he left new england and came to san francisco he took a, tor- a terrible 49ers team and made them 5 and 0 in their final five games of the season that team was terrible i think this guy is superstar potential is going to be a top 10 quarterback in this league by the end of next season I know he hasn't played a lot of games. I know he hasn't even played a full season, but he learned behind the best quarterback in in nFL history and under the best coach in NFL history for multiple years for a few years and now he's finally getting the opportunity to showcase his knowledge and his ability and I think he is more than deserving of a thirty million dollar check. He's already making what like twenty seven twenty eight million I would definitely pay him. Thirty. Number nine, Jared Goff. With Sean McVay, Jared Goff is an extremely good quarterback. He didn't really have a very strong receiving core. His best receiver was either Robert Woods or Sammy Watkins. So he didn't have a strong receiving core. He had a tremendous running game that helped take some pressure off of him. But Jared Goff is a really good quarterback, and I think they're one bad game from an NFC championship. They they lost to the Falcons. Falcons are a really good team, but they played a bad game. If they play a little bit of a tougher game, I they're they're right there for the NFC championship. And right now I think they, they can get back there this year. They can be there. The Rams are up there with with the uh the Eagles and the Saints, the Vikings, they're up there in the, in the top of the NFC. I would be more than willing to pay Jared Goff $30 million. Number eight, Matt Ryan. Just said it. Uh, he, he's he been to a Super Bowl. Yes, he choked in the Super Bowl. His team choked, but it really wasn't on him. It was just a play calling. Kyle Shanahan's play calling was terrible. They were They should have run the ball more, and instead they kept throwing it. And that led to some turnovers, some, and it, and it led to keeping the clock stopped instead of running, and it gave Tom Brady too much time. But Matt Ryan, in the regular season, outstanding. He's a, he's an MVP. He's tremendous in the playoffs. He really turns it on in the playoffs, and he just got another weapon in Calvin Ridley. He's going to have a heyday this year. I have him at number 8, number 7, Carson Wentz. I know he just came off of an ACL injury, but right now he says he's going to be stronger than ever. I mean, everyone says that, but I believe him. I think he was a top 6 or 7 quarterback in the league before he went down. And I would I know he doesn't have a lot of experience. He's only a 2-year player. But he 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 was throwing he threw 27 touchdowns I believe No I know I think it was over 30 touchdowns before he went down I think he was leading the league in touchdown passes through 13 games And then he went down and we all know Nick Foles led them to a Super Bowl But Carson Wentz is an extremely good quarterback he's got the size he's got the, the he's got a cannon for an arm and he's extremely accurate I think he's a one healthy top 5 or 6 quarterback in the league. Number 6, Russell Wilson. This guy is one bad play call away from two Super Bowls. He is a, he will be a hall of famer. He is Houdini with his legs. He gets out of He runs for his life in Seattle. They have no offensive line, no running game. It's really a Russell Wilson show up in Seattle. And he has done everything he could, he can, to hold that franchise together. And he has played extremely well, battled through injuries. Not a lot of guys better than Russell Wilson. And I, oh my gosh, thirty million dollars might be too low for Russell Wilson. Uh, number four, sorry, number five, Phillip Rivers. A lot of people might be surprised by that, but Philip Rivers is actually an extremely good quarterback and when he's on a roll, he is impossible to stop. When he gets the emotion when he starts getting emotional and getting his emotions in there and just like he has a fire in his eyes, you can't stop him. And they've had a, a down few years because he's had no offensive line, his receivers have been hurt. His defense is now starting to become really, really good. Phillip Rivers is really good. He, I have nothing else to say about Phillip Rivers. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks in the league. Thirty million dollars, I would sign the check right now. I know he's like, what? And he's in his late thirties, but I would sign the check right now. Probably two, three years, thirty million dollars a year. Number four, Ben Roethlisberger. I know recently he's been acting a little childish with the Mason Rudolph thing. I don't know if you heard about the Mason Rudolph situation, but he did not like the selection of Mason Rudolph. He said, you know, I think he he can be a good player, but he doesn't help us win now is what he was saying. And... It was very, very childish of him to say that because, you know, he was talking about retiring earlier in the year. When he threw five picks against the Jags, he was like, oh, I don't know if I have it anymore. So, of course, the Steelers are going to draft a quarterback because they don't know what you're going to do. And then when you come out and say, oh, I've got three to five years left. Well, thanks a lot, Ben. But in the playoffs this year, he was he threw for over 500 yards in a playoff game and lost to a very good Jacksonville Jaguars team. This guy still has a lot left in the tank. I would sign a probably three-year deal worth $30 million a year. This guy is extremely good. He's a Hall of Famer. Definitely would pay him $30 million. Number three, probably got to go Drew Brees here. Probably gotta go Drew Brees. He he's one of the most consistent quarterbacks I think we've had in the in the last decade. His completion percentage is sky high every single season. He's around 70% every year. That's incredible. And he's got an extremely good roster right now. And they're they're going to be at the top of the NFC this year making a run for an NFC championship and a Super Bowl berth. Drew Brees, he's probably going to be around for another couple years. I would pay him two years, $60 million, $30 million a year. Uh, number two, Tom Brady. I don't know what you, what you want me to say about this. Uh, he's the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. No two ways about it. I am definitely paying him. $30 million. He's 41 years old, yes. So he's only—he's probably only going to play for one or two more years. I'll pay him $30 million for, for one season. I can't justify it any more than that. He's the GOAT. Plain and simple, point blank. And then number one, Aaron Rodgers. Yes, he's been injury prone over the last few years. He's got some collarbone issues. But he's the best quarterback in the league. What he does with, the, with a lack of talent around him is incredible. He's a cowboy killer. He has destroyed the Cowboys in the playoffs over the past few seasons. He's, he is a magician. He gets out of trouble all the time. Tremendous on his legs. Very mobile. He's got good pocket presence. He's got a cannon. He can sling it downfield. He is extremely accurate. He makes throws that no other guy in the league can. He is a guy that I would pay 30 million dollars every year for. Alright, that is the Ford Food Chain. Top ten guys I would pay thirty million dollars per year. All right, we're going to move on to to the NBA now. Dwayne Casey was fired as the Toronto head coach. He was fired. Uh, and he was the coach of the year this year. He was the unanimous coach of the year. No one else got votes, and I find that a little surprising that no one else got votes because Brad Stevens was incredible. He had no Gordon Hayward, and Kyrie was gone for the, the the back half of the year, not the back half, but like the back, like the just the final run of the year. And kind of surprised he didn't get at least one vote. But K- Dwayne Casey I, is a very good coach. Like I said, he's the he was the coach of the year this year. He led Toronto to a 59 win season. I believe that's the most in franchise history. I and mean, they've had three or four consecutive seasons of 50-plus wins. I think I think this was very unfair, very unfair on Dwayne Casey. Le- LeBron James got Dwayne Casey fired. It's three years in a row now that they've gotten manhandled by LeBron. the The Raptors have a better team than the Cavaliers, but whenever they play against LeBron James, They always seem to fold, and that is not Dwayne Casey's fault. It's not Dwayne Casey's fault. Sure, maybe he's got to get his guys ready to play, but three consecutive years, you get embarrassed by LeBron James. I don't know what else you want Dwayne Casey to do. It's not a a coaching problem. It's a personnel problem. It is a personnel problem. And I'm not saying you get rid of Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, but you're going to have to get another guy. You're going to have to build a better bench, a better roster. And that's extremely difficult to do in Toronto. And the reason why is because players don't want to go play there. Not because it's Canada. Well, actually, because it's Canada. It's nothing against the people of Canada. Canada. But every time you go there to play a game, you have to go through customs because it's another country. No one wants to deal with that. Plus, with all the, the tax implications and stuff, no player really wants to live there. So it's extremely difficult for a team like the Toronto Raptors to sign free agents. Really, the only way they can acquire players is through draft and through trade that's a, that's probably another reason why Dwayne Casey got fired and it's just because of the geography the, where they live and that's you can't put that on him Dwayne Casey I think is a very fine very quality coach and he got fired because of LeBron James and because they don't have a good enough team to beat him like they have a good team but obviously it's not good enough to beat one person because their team is better than the Cavs from an, as a whole. Really unfair on Dwayne Casey. He is not going to be on the market long. He will find a new team. Probably Milwaukee. I heard Milwaukee is really interested in Mike Budenholzer and Dwayne Casey. So we'll see where that goes. Very good coach though. And he deserves another job. Alright. So a lot goes into winning an NBA championship. There's a lot of ingredients that come into play that you need to win an NBA championship. And here, right right now, I'm going to give you five overrated ingredients for an NBA title. Ingredients that you do not need. That you can't have. Not necessarily can't have. But you just don't need them. Number one. Depth. Uh, Depth is great for the regular season. When you have. 9, 10, 11 guys. That you can rotate. It really helps your players stay fresh. And you can win. 50, 60 games. Every season. With a lot of depth it's a great help when you have a lot of depth like that. But when it comes to the playoffs, your rotation shortens to about eight guys, nine guys. So depth, depth is not very important when it comes to the playoffs and when it comes to winning an NBA title. Number two, triple doubles. Russell Westbrook is out of the playoffs. Why? Because he focuses too much on his stats. He is a stat pattern. Like, Paul George is going to be leaving this year. I do not think he's going to stay. He is going to another team. Philly, Los Angeles, somewhere. He is not going back to OKC. Carmelo Anthony was... He is a very ball-centric player. He was reverted to a spot-up shooter. It's because Russell Westbrook hogs the ball so much he shot over 40 shots in a playoff game and missed like 35 of them I mean triple doubles don't matter in the playoffs but when you're LeBron James it's different because LeBron actually gets his stats in the flow of the game he's not trying to get a triple double he just does Russell Westbrook actually tries to get triple doubles LeBron doesn't try to get triple-doubles. He's just so great and so valuable that that's what he does. But you do not need triple-doubles to win an NBA championship. Number three, and I think this is actually extremely important. When you have a good coach, it's kind of overrated. You need a great coach to win an NBA championship. Like, Dwayne Casey... He's a very good coach, but he's not a Brad Stevens. He's not a Greg Popovich. He's not a Steve Kerr. Good coaches aren't as important. You need great coaches to win an NBA championship. Number four, dynamic point guards that can't shoot. Russell Westbrook, again, very dynamic. He's an okay shooter. Can't really shoot that well. But once again, they're out of the playoffs. Rajon Rondo is extremely dynamic. Can't shoot. They're out of the playoffs. Like, Rajon Rondo does have an NBA championship, but he was on a great team with Paul Pierce and Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett and Glenn Davis and all those guys. You need a point guard who is able to shoot. Steph Curry. Uh, Chris Paul can shoot. And Chris Paul, by the way, is the best pure point guard in the league. Like, if you're going by position, Steph Curry is the best point guard in the league, but by pure point guard, playing the actual role of point guard and passing and stuff like that, Chris Paul is the best point guard by definition in the league. But, back on track here, you need players that can shoot. And then number five, the process now hang in with me here stick with me You might be a little confused the reason why we called the Philadelphia 76ers situation the process is because it's a work in progress it is still developing the reason why they haven't they haven't won yet they didn't make it to the East finals and they're not gonna make it to the finals obviously is because it is still in progress. That can't win you a championship. You need veterans. You need experienced players to win you a championship. And they just simply don't have the experience. So that leads me to my four necessary ingredients to an NBA title, to winning an NBA championship. Number one is multiple superstar players. Like back in the 70s and 80s, if you had a superstar on your team, you had a great chance to win a championship every single season. And then when you entered the the uh the nineties and the two thousands, you really needed like two superstars, like Michael Jordan had Scotty. Uh you know, it was Clyde Drexler and Hakeem Elijah one. Kobe and Shaq, uh Duncan Ginobili and Tony Parker. Now you, now you need. In this age, you need like three A A guys, A A plus players. Like the Warriors have four A players: Draymond Green, Klay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry. The Cavs only have at the most two, and that's Kevin Love and LeBron James. The Rockets, I think, have two A players and a B-plus player, and that's James Harden, Chris Paul, and Clint Capella. They can win a championship. The Celtics, if you put those guys that aren't injured in the mix, Kyrie Irving, A player. Jason Tatum, we're going to get into this in a little bit. Jason Tatum, I think, is a B-plus player. Gordon Hayward, probably an A player. Al Horford, B-plus player. That can win you a championship. Um, you need multiple superstar players. It's just the age we live in now. Two, you need an outstanding coach. Brad Stevens and Greg Popovich and Steve Kerr. Those are great coaches. Those are outstanding coaches. And you need great coaching to win you a championship. Like, look at what Brad Stevens is doing right now. He doesn't have Kyrie or Gordon Hayward. He's playing with younger players who aren't as experienced. And they're in the Eastern Conference Finals, and they're up 1-0 on the Cavs right now. Number three, you need three-point shooting. You need three-point shooting in the playoffs to be able to win. The Warriors' best three-point shooting team in the NBA, they have the two best shooters of all time, probably. Steph Curry's the greatest shooter of all time. Clay Thompson's top five. The Rockets had the most attempted three-pointers in the league. They're a great three-point shooting team. Celtics are a good three-point shooting team. The Cavs are so-so. They're streaky. You need that to win a title. And then number four. Number four, I think, I think this is actually really important. And it's, more, it's probably the most important out of all of these. And that's intelligence slash experience. Because we all know, like, talent has a ceiling. Talent can only get you so far. But it's how smart you are... and your experience that's going to win you a title. Like, right now, the, we're in the middle of a dynasty right now with the Warriors. Warriors have won two titles in three years. The last great dynasty was the Lakers, 2000, 2001, 2002. That was an extremely intelligent team. If you just look at some of the players on their team, Shaq is now a TNT analyst. Tyron Liu is a Cavs head coach. Derek Fisher, former head coach of the Knicks. Brian Shaw is the current assistant coach. He was also a head coach out in Denver. For a while, Mark Madsen, an assistant coach, Kobe Bryant is an Oscar winner. Those are extremely intelligent guys. And they had tremendous playoff experience too. That's why they were able to keep winning is because they had guys who had experience. It's, it's a very overlooked aspect of winning a championship, I feel. All right, and with that, we're going to give... I'm going to give you an NBA playoffs update if you haven't been keeping up with the NBA. The Celtics finished off the 76ers in five games. And really, I think this series, really, it could have been easily 4-1 76ers with how close some of those games were. The 76ers were in almost all of these games and had a chance to win all of them. I think the 76ers really are... A year away and possibly another superstar away from winning a championship. Like if they could add a Paul George, trade for Kawhi Leonard or sign LeBron James somehow. That could be a championship team. Definitely a finals team. Uh, And then the Cavs swept the the Toronto Raptors. As I said before, the Warriors finished off the Pelicans in five and the Rockets finished finished off the Jazz in five as well. Uh, the Western Conference Finals start tonight, Golden State and the Rockets. I, the the Rockets are at home in this one. I like the Rockets to take game one. I think they'll split games one and two. Um, I see this going to seven games and I'll take Golden State in seven. That's what I'll take. Um, and then the Eastern Conference Finals, Boston is up 1-0 on the Cavs right now. And I'm going to take the Boston Celtics in six games. I think this is going to be the end of LeBron in Cleveland. And LeBron is he's going to be going to a new team this uh, next season. Either Los Angeles, uh, Houston, uh, 76ers. He's going to be going to a new team next year. Uh, but I just want to touch on something. With the Celtics. Um, the Celtics are up 1-0 on LeBron James. Um, this already proves that Brad Stevens is a better coach than Julian Casey, first of all. But if you notice something, they're doing this without two, their two best players: Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving. Why did Kyrie Irving want to leave Cleveland? He wanted wanted to be the man, right? wanted to have his own team. Well, he's not playing right now, and they're up 1-0 in the Eastern Conference Finals against LeBron James. Bad news, Kyrie. This just in. It's Brad Stevens' team. It's not your team. I don't think it ever was your team even when you were playing. This team is Brad Stevens' team, and that means, you know, Kyrie is not that important. Terry Rozier is a budding star. Kyrie Irving could be a huge, tra- like, trade piece. You could actually trade Kyrie Irving if you really wanted to. I probably wouldn't. I would keep him. But man, Ty- Terry Rozier is really developing, and. Jason Tatum right now, I don't think anyone thought he was going to be this good in his rookie season. I don't think anyone thought he's going to be this good. And right now, I think he's better than Gordon Hayward. I think Jason Tatum right now is better than Gordon Hayward. And I know the Celtics really want to get Kawhi Leonard. If you want Kawhi Leonard, Jason Tatum is off the table. Gordon Hayward is on the table, though. I would put Gordon Hayward on the table. I would trade Gordon Hayward and probably, like, Jalen Brown to get Kawhi Leonard. And your starting lineup is Kyrie, Jason Tatum, Kawhi Leonard, Al Horford, and then if you want to – I don't know who you would put in there. Maybe if you want to move Kawhi to the four or Tatum to the four, you can put Terry Rozier in at the two. Gordon Hayward. I would trade Gordon Hayward and Jalen Brown right now for Kawhi Leonard. You cannot give up Jason Tatum. Imagine Kyrie, Kawhi, Jason Tatum, Al Horford, and Terry Rozier. That is an insane lineup. And that lineup, that wins you an NBA championship next season. That will beat the Golden State Warriors. That will beat the Golden State Warriors. Uh, And even their team next year, like I say, they don't trade for Kawhi, and they still have Hayward and Kyrie and and all those guys and Brown and Tatum. They keep everybody. everybody. Everybody back healthy, that wins you an NBA championship. I think that team wins you an NBA championship next year as well. It doesn't give you as great of a shot, but I still think it gives you a great shot. That will beat the Golden State Warriors. It's Brad Stevens' team now, and I think Brad Stevens is... Uh, he might be the best coach in the NBA. He might be the best coach in the NBA. I'd probably still give the slight edge to Popovich just because of his prestige and his cha- the championships he's won. But if Brad Stevens... If Brad Stevens gets his team to the finals, I will put brad stevens on top as the best coach in the nba my prediction for the series boston in six i think it'll be boston in six golden state in seven and then for that finals matchup i will go golden state in we'll go golden state in five or six All right, guys, that's it for me. I will be a lot more consistent. I might try to get one out actually at the end of this week so we can start getting back on that, like, Friday, every Friday schedule, something like that. Uh, but, yeah, 13 days is a long time without without talking. Uh, I just want to say happy Mother's Day to all the great moms out there. Happy late Mother's Day. It's a, it's a day late. But happy Mother's Day to all the tremendous moms out there. Um, Yeah, that's it for me, guys. So make sure you follow the show on Twitter, at The Will Ford Show. We'll see you this week, this Friday. Thank you for listening, guys. It's WFS.